Tim, our, our lead pastor, is uh, in Southern California right now taking his middle son to college and dropping him off. Be praying for him. Be praying for Abby. Um, I know that this is a little tough on them. So next week when you see him, just give him a huge hug. Just don't, don't hold back. And he's going to try to squirm away, but really he loves it. Just trust me on that. All right? Um, it's good to be with you, and I know it was mentioned, but I'm going to mention again, if you're, if you're new here, if you're passing through, if you're just visiting for the first time, I hope you feel welcome. Um, I hope you feel at home. We're really glad that you're here, excited to be worshiping, um, and excited to be opening scripture with you. This summer, um, in this teaching series called The Story that we've been on um, this, this whole year, that we have a reading plan, that we're walking through scripture, and each Sunday, the, uh, the talk is going to come from what we've read the previous week. Uh, and this summer, specifically, we've been journeying through the book of Proverbs, and um, we've got a few more weeks left in this teaching series, and it's, it's been really good. Um, I've been challenged. Uh, I've, I've, I've learned new things. It's, it's just been awesome to sit in this book of wisdom. Uh, the book of Proverbs is uh, partly written by a, a man named Solomon, and it's, it's part of his own writings and writings that he's collected for his children. Um, it's a book of wisdom. We know that, that Solomon was, uh, Scripture tells us, the wisest person to ever live, and he gives this book, and, and it's a, a book of wisdom, and it's things that tend to be true. It, it's not a book of, of formulaic promises that says, if you do this, that this will always happen. But it's, it's a book of things that, that tend to be true because it represents the mindset of God. The way that God thinks is, is wisdom. And he's captured these ideas for his children, and, and we've been walking through this. And, and, and as we embrace this wisdom, this godly wisdom, as we embrace it and walk down that path, it begins to impact our lives. It impacts our relationships and how we, how we use money, our sexuality. All of these things are impacted by this godly wisdom, and it tends to lead us towards a good life. It tends to lead us in that direction when we choose wisdom, godly wisdom, over folly. When we choose God's wisdom, his way of thinking, over the world's way of thinking. And today, we want to extend this conversation a little bit further. We've talked primarily about how wisdom impacts our lives, right? How we live, how it impacts the choices that we make, how it can lead us down this path of the good life. And today, we want to extend this conversation to what does it look like to be a vessel of wisdom to the world around us? To not just be people who are impacted by wisdom, to not just be people who are aware of this good life and the way that God's things and, and, and to have access to this wisdom, but, but to be people who are vessels of this wisdom, who bring godly wisdom to relationships around us, to conversation around us, to the world around us, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our school, with our friends, that we are vessels of godly wisdom. What does that look like? And what does this book teach us about that? And I'm going to pray, and we're going to dive in. Father, I, I love your word. I love the wisdom that you've given us. Um, God, we don't, we, don't have to, uh, we don't have to figure this out. You've given us your thoughts. You've given us your wisdom. I pray today that the eyes of our heart are open and enlightened to this wisdom that you've called us to, that, it, that it's not just for us, that it's not just a way for us to experience this good life, this, this life that you have for us, but, but that we get to be conduits of your wisdom in this world that desperately, desperately needs it. So Father, I pray you, uh, you open our ears. I pray for your grace in your name. Amen. Um, 
So this, this last week's been a, a bit of a, a difficult week for us as a community. If you were here last Sunday, uh, you, you heard about the uh, passing of Paul Rhodes, who has been a part of Mosaic since day one. Um, he's been on our teaching team. He's helped uh, develop our leader and training program. And we collectively have a, as a church have just kind of been sitting in the grief and the, the shock and reality of this. And, um, and, and I've personally been just having a hard week dealing and thinking about it. Um, Paul was a, a good friend of mine. I spent the last four years meeting with him monthly as a spiritual mentor and sharing my life, sharing everything in my heart, um, how God was leading me, the challenges, the fears, just everything with this man in, in his office. And uh, it's just hard. It's hard that he's gone. Um, I, I brought uh, some books with me today. These are my journals, um, my time with Paul. Four years worth of uh, his wisdom and his advice and, and everything that he's given. And uh, to me, the, these have really become precious. Um, they're, they're something that, that are, are beautiful and something that have really shaped my life. And I'm grateful for them. Um, I would trade these in a second to have Paul. And uh, I, I, God must feel um, that, that the people he is mentoring are ready to not have him. I don't know that I agree, um, but, but God is God. So today I have these, and um, this, is, this is his wisdom that he has given to me. Um, I'm, I'm grateful for him. I'm grateful for this relationship, and, and I'm grateful for these, these words of wisdom because words of true godly wisdom are just a little bit rare, right? Words of true godly wisdom. Man, I, I can find conventional wisdom, and I, I, I can find wisdom about my finances, and I can find wisdom... Um, about how to prepare for retirement or how to, to have a good marriage, but, but, but to find someone who, who is really a conduit of godly wisdom is precious. It's rare. It's beautiful. In fact, Solomon recognized this. In Proverbs 20, 15, he says this, there is gold and abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Listen to those words again. There is gold and abundance of costly stones. He's acknowledging, hey, there, there are riches. There's gold. There's this abundance of all of these things. But, but the lips of knowledge, the words of wisdom are precious. They're a precious jewel. So here's this man. He, he, he's the king of Israel. And, and probably if we're just measuring um, kind of outward uh, Measurements. He's he's probably the most successful king. Um, certainly, his his father David is the most notable. Uh, wrote a lot of the psalms that we read. Was a mighty warrior. Um, established their kingdom. Just did amazing things. But but if we're just measuring uh, power and riches, Solomon is kind of at the top of the ladder. He has. Uh, we we learned this last week. He has so much riches, so much gold and rare stones that, that they weigh it by the ton. I can't even fathom that. I sat down last night with my wife, and, and we're working on our, our budget. We do this periodically, and it's like fine-tuning, right? Okay, well, a little bit here, and then a little bit here, and, and I can't imagine having so much wealth that I, I weigh it by the ton. So here's this man who has all of this power, all of this, this wealth, all of this renown. Uh, he's known uh, uh, kind of across the region as this mighty person. People travel to see him, and this is what he tells his kids. Listen. Riches, gold, fine jewels, it, it, it's in abundance. What's precious 
is the person who can speak godly wisdom. That's precious. More precious than my gold, more precious than all of my jewels, everything that I have is a person who can speak godly wisdom. There's there's a a theme throughout scripture about speech and about words, about the power of speech and words. And it's one of the ways that that we disseminate wisdom, right? And and as I talk about speaking, we we realize that I'm not just talking about us audibly speaking, but, but how we communicate. There's all kinds of places that we communicate online, uh, through, through our phone, things that we say. And, and, and with our words, we are actually shaping some of the world around us. Think about this. Um, Genesis 1. This is at the beginning of all things that we know of. Uh, God says this. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Okay, so this is before creation. There's just a a void. There's there's no light. There's no life. There's nothing. And God is hovering over the waters. And he says this. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. The instrument that God chose to create our known galaxy, everything within our understanding, the instrument he used was speech, was his words. He said it, and it, it, it happened. And as we read further in Genesis, we read that, that he, he created man, and he created woman. He said they're created in his image, and because we're his image bearers, we too have the power of speech. That we get to communicate things that we think and that we feel and that we know. We get to communicate those things to the world around us. And so we see this potential, right? We see this potential that we can contribute with godly wisdom or we can contribute with, with folly, but, but certainly we have been given the power to communicate and to shape the world around us. In James chapter 3, James says it like this, starting in verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Or James is saying that, that someone who can um, keep their speech intact in and, and not communicate folly is, is actually a perfect person. He goes on to say, we put bits in the mouth of horses to make them obey us. We can turn the whole animal. Or take ships, for an example. Although they are large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but it makes a great boast. Consider what a great force is set afire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and itself is on fire by hell. James says that our speech, he uses, he says the tongue, but he's talking about our speech. It's like the rudder on a boat. It's small. It's not the power, it's not the winds, but, but it can turn the entire ship. He said it's like a spark, an entire forest fire that consumes thousands and thousands of acres is started by a single spark. James is helping us understand that there is power behind our communication, that, 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 that we're to be accountable for how we communicate, the words that we say, that as they go out into the world around us, they are shaping things. In fact, uh, communication that speech is present at salvation. We read in Romans uh, 10, 9 that, that, w- that we believe in our hearts and we do what? We, we confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord. 
We think about the, the story of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11. The, the, the people of the world had banded together and were going to build a tower to the heavens. And, and God stepped in. And how did he intervene? He confused their language. So we see this theme all throughout Scripture that, that language is important, that our speech, what we contribute to the conversation, it, it matters. And Solomon is helping us realize that, that someone who can contribute godly wisdom to the conversation, that it's, it's rare and it's precious and it's worth more than gold and jewels. We are called to be conduits of godly wisdom in a world of chaos. We are called not to just experience the good life that comes from godly wisdom, but to be people who are using our ability to shape the world through communication. We are called to be conduits of godly wisdom to this world around us. So what, what, what does this look like? How do we do this? How do we speak with wisdom? Week to week, as we've been going through the book of Proverbs, we hear this theme over and over again from Solomon. He tells his kids, get wisdom. Get wisdom. Though it costs you everything, get wisdom. Search for it. Search for it. Get it. Get it. But, but where, where does this come from? I think we, we understand how we gain conventional wisdom, things that tend to be true in the world around us, uh, we, we typically get conventional wisdom through experiences, right? You do something a few times, you learn from it, you learn from your mistakes. Um, my wife and I, we, we have three daughters, and uh, my middle daughter just had a birthday this Friday, and she wanted to do a slumber party. It was a house full of girls, everywhere. But this is not our first rodeo. This is not our first slumber party. We, we are experts at this. Okay? The, the, the conventional wisdom of doing this over and over and over, we, we've learned. You only serve food that you can vacuum up. Yeah, that's, that's for free. You can take that one. You buy a gigantic disposable uh, tablecloth because they're just going to destroy it. We know all the things. No caffeine. This, this conventional wisdom that we've gained because we've done this over and over and over. But where, where do we find godly wisdom? The thoughts of God, the mind of God, this way that he thinks, where, where do we find that? You know, I think about um, this wisdom, these, these books, and all the things that I, I captured from Paul, and sometimes just writing fervently in his, his office. There's probably about 100 book recommendations that he's given me in here. And, and, and I could give you these books, and maybe if you've never met Paul, you, you could take this, and you know what? It's good advice. There's sound, solid advice in here, things that make sense, things that are probably true. But, but that advice, apart from the relationship, is just advice. Knowing the man behind these words makes these words come alive in a different way. The relationship in tandem with this truth, with these things that tend to be true, the relationship enriches it. That's, that's really how we read scripture, right? You could take the book of Proverbs and there's some good advice in there. There's some things that even if you didn't believe in the Bible, even if you didn't believe in God, you could apply some of this advice in the book of Proverbs and it would it'd probably be true. It'd probably be helpful. But when we read it in the context of the relationship with God, it's rich. It's more true. When I see the God behind these words, behind these Proverbs, when I see his character and his goodness these words come alive in a different way. See, godly wisdom isn't just about knowing and assimilating information. 
It's about a relationship. It's about being influenced. It's about seeing the person, the personhood of God behind these words. Matthew 12, 34 says, the out of the abundance of our heart, the mouth speaks. So there, there's a process to this. There's an order to this, right? What we communicate, it, it comes from somewhere. It, it, there, it originates in somewhere. It originates in our heart, this essence of who we are. Out of the abundance of who we are, the mouth will speak. The essence of who we are is shaped by relationships. It's shaped by relationships. So the question then becomes, how is our heart influenced by godly wisdom? It's influenced by relationship with him. When I spend time in, in this word, when I spend time in prayer and meditation with him, I begin to understand his character. I begin to understand who God is, and it begins to shape my heart. When I spend time with, with people of godly wisdom, it, it, it shapes and changes me and who I am. So if I want to be a person of godly wisdom, I have to be planted in a place where my heart is surrounded by godly wisdom. That's where this comes from. That's where we assimilate this kind of wisdom. It's where we are planted. Jesus speaks often um, about soil in the New Testament as a, an analogy for the heart. And, and, and the thing about soil that, 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 is, uh, that is true is, is if you have good soil, things will grow. If you don't have good soil, it, it's foul. You can't get anything to grow. Um, coming from New Mexico, there's this place uh, called Hatch, New Mexico, and they um, have been destined by God to grow the most amazing green chilies in all the world. Anyone ever heard of Hatch Green Chilies? Yes, a few of you. They're amazing. And the thing that makes them so amazing, and my uncle was convinced of this, is that it's the soil. And he actually drove there and got like four 50-gallon drums of their soil and was going to attempt to have Hatch Green Chilies in Arizona. But the soil itself, it's, it's, it's really acidic and it has this, this uh, collection of minerals and, 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 and all these things in it, but it, it just makes the vegetation there rich and good. And where your heart is planted is impacted by that soil. If you've planted yourselves in relationships with people of godly wisdom, you are going to gain godly wisdom and you are going to be a conduit to the world around you. When you plant yourself in God's, in God's word, this wisdom, this living book will begin to shape your heart and out of the abundance of your heart, godly wisdom will come. Through your words, godly wisdom will be disseminated to your relationships and to the world around you. You know, here in uh, about a month, a few weeks, we're getting ready to uh, kind of have our fall kickoff of all of our communities, Mosaic communities, and um, we're, we're hoping, there's a whole bunch of new ones, we're hoping to have somewhere around 30 um, communities, and it's, it's just this cool thing that God is doing, and and, and one of the reasons why we do this is not just so we can have extracurricular activity, extra church activity. In fact, it's, it, it's, it's, it's sacrificial, right? Um, if, if you live in the city like I do, um, you probably work or go to school, maybe have a family, and nights go by fast and are busy, and it's hard to give one up. But, but we do this because it, it, it matters. It's a place that we get to step into relationship with people of godly wisdom, and that impacts us. It shapes our heart. It influences us to be people of godly wisdom. And maybe you've never tried community. Maybe you've never stepped into something like that. And the idea of going to someone's living room across town just freaks you out. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to step into those relationships of godly wisdom. Now, you won't go the first time and find all your BFFs 
It takes some time. It takes investment into relationship, but, but these are needed relationships for us. These wise uh, or wisdom relationships are, are completely necessary for us to be people who, who are conduits of wisdom. So this is where we find wisdom, is where our heart is planted. But when do we apply it? When do we bring wisdom to the world around us? When, 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 do, we, when do we speak up? Content is important, but content has to coincide with, with context, right? The, 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 saying the right thing at the wrong time isn't helpful. Saying the right thing apart from relationship oftentimes isn't very fruitful. The, 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 so when, when am I speaking up? And we live in a world um, that is not lacking in voices. We, we live in a, a moment that is just not lacking in, uh, in opinion. And, and for us, sometimes we don't know what to do with that. Do we, do we get louder to, to rise above kind of the noise and chaos and get my message out? And, and some of us, that might be our, our tendency or our desire. Some of us, we, we want to shrink back and get quieter. Man, it's, it's just too much chaos. It's too noisy. I, I don't even know how to influence this conversation. I, I'm just going to shrink away. You know, the advent of, of, of technology has completely changed communication for us. I mean, for centuries and centuries, even before Gutenberg uh, invented the, the printing press, it, it, our relationships were just pretty much one-on-one and, and who I know, and that's, that's the people I'm communicating with. And now we live in a time where I can literally broadcast my every thought and my every moment. I can put it out there for the world to hear. And that's, some of that is, is really amazing, and there's a, a beauty to that, and there's, there's something amazing about that, that I can hear someone's story who lives in a completely different part of the world and, and, and connect with them without ever having to be face-to-face, but, but there's also added chaos to that. There's just added noise and chaos. When do we know when to speak up? When do we know that it's time to apply this godly wisdom in a fruitful and loving way? Jesus, in John 14, he gives us this insight. He's preparing his disciples. Um, He's about to go to the cross and ascend into heaven. He's preparing his disciples, and he says this. For this I have spoken while still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So Jesus says, listen, you, you've got my information. I've given you my words. I've given you my gospel. I've given you my story. But I'm, but I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I'm sending my spirit be, because he's going to teach you how to apply this. He's going to teach you how to take this godly information and be fruitful with the world around you. How to use your words to bring godly wisdom into a world of chaos. This leading this guiding of his Holy Spirit. And maybe you've experienced this. This, this happens for me from time to time where, where I'm maybe I'm, I'm having a conversation with someone and they're, they're opening up and they're sharing about something that's difficult or, or something that they're struggling with and, and I'll just have a sense, hey, I, I think God might be saying this. I, I think God is leading here and, 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 and God uses in that way or, or, or sometimes it's, it's corrective. It's not to say something and, and this leading of, of, of God's spirit to, lead, uh, to allow us to be people of wisdom. Um, in fact, it happened to me this, this past week. Uh, we live um, in St. John's up in North Portland and we live on a dead-end street, a dead-end dirt road. 
and we're the last house, and if you go past our house, there's just this big, empty, vacant lot. And for some reason, it just, people want to go and dump stuff there. I mean, I can get you a washing machine, I can get you all kinds of stuff. Someone just brought all of their underwear. I kid you not, like an entire, like big, gigantic bag full of underwear. I don't know what they're wearing now. But, but it, it's kind of a problem and it's kind of a nuisance because we're, we're the ones who have to clean it up. And sometimes it's, it's a little sketchy. I don't want to clean up someone else's underwear. And so our neighbors have kind of banded together that, that we kind of watch. Hey, there's, it's a dead end street. So if we see a car going down that we don't recognize, well, hey, what are you guys doing? And, and um, so last Sunday, we got home from church, and, and I saw a very old truck loaded to the brim. I mean, just stuff sticking out of this truck everywhere. Oh, man, I don't want to clean all this up. I was frustrated. And so I, I started to walk down there. And at some point between leaving my driveway and getting to this man and woman, God just kind of softened my heart a little bit because I was frustrated. I just assumed they were dumping this stuff, and I wanted, hey, this is not near, near private dump, go. And, and between there and, and before I actually spoke to them, God, God changed my narrative and my words a little bit. The words I had set out to say weren't very nice, probably pretty stern, and maybe justifiably so. It's, it's not appropriate for them to do that. But when I got there, I felt like God put on my heart to say, hey, just ask them if they need some help. Just be a friend to them. Be a neighbor to them. And, and so I, I told the guy, hey, are you, you guys okay? You need a hand with something? And uh, he's like, oh, man, I really appreciate that. Man, you're, you had another neighbor who just came down here and yelled at me and was taking our picture, and I don't want to dump anything. My truck is stuck. I'm just trying to get out of here. And I was able to get my truck and pull him out and actually invited him to church and, and, and got a chance to, to talk to him about my faith. And, and it was this great moment that really had nothing to do with me and everything to do with, with God's spirit. Because I went down there to tell him to get his junk out of here. But this, this intervention of, of, of God's spirit that, that helps us to understand, to know when to apply godly wisdom. Because we can be people who spout truth and who spout facts and be very fruitless. We can be people who have opinions and maybe our opinions are sound and maybe our opinions are right, but, but we can be very fruitless. Godly wisdom is a matter of content and context, and it requires that we're listening to God's spirit. That's what Jesus said. I, I just do what my father tells me to do. Jesus personified wisdom, and, and yet he, he just did what his father led him to do. We are people that are conduits of godly wisdom when we're listening to his spirit, when we're listening for those prompts, for those times to speak up and for those times not to speak up, listening to his leading and his guiding. Godly wisdom is something that we get to apply to the world around us because we believe in God's redemptive power. Because we believe in God's redemptive power. One of the ways that, that, that godly wisdom expresses itself in community, one of the most important ways is, is truth-telling. It's, it's the hard truths sometimes that I have to tell a friend, a brother, a sister, someone who's in one of my uh, communities. It's, it's those moments where <clears throat> I have to tell you something that, that you probably don't want to hear and it's not going to be comfortable. And I'm not telling this to bring shame. I'm telling you this because I believe in God's redemptive power for your life. And in those moments, those words are, are wisdom. It's godly wisdom lived out. <clears throat> when I was in high school, I, um, I was a on a roofing 
uh, I worked for a roofing company and to put a lot of roofs on and, and uh, I was helping my uncle put a roof on his house and this was pro bono. This was just because he was my uncle and, and we were doing all the measurements of the roof um, first and I don't know how it works out but you know when you have a tape measure, like one of you is the fisherman, one of you are the fish, the one of the fish has to walk with it while the other person just stands there. Is that, maybe that's just in my mind but I was a fish. So I'm on one end of the, the roof and I'm, I'm walking, I'm going and I'm, I'm, I'm kind of tired. Um, it, it was the end of summer and so football had started. We're doing two-day practices and the sun, it's, you know, it's Arizona, the sun's out and I'm just exhausted and I'm walking backwards and thinking, I, I'm sure I'm friendly helping my uncle do this for free. And, and as I'm walking, he looks up and just as mean as ever says, Adam, stop it. And that, dang, Keith, I'm helping you for free. Why, why are you yelling? Why are you so venomous? And uh, I look, and I'm literally at the edge of his roof, at the peak, at the edge of his roof, probably 20 feet up in the air, and just like, oh. And in that moment, the truth he gave was not fun to hear, but it was incredibly appropriate. Because one more step, and I would have gone off the edge. This sense of truth-telling, this sense of, I care enough about you to tell the narrative of God's redemptive story and to tell you, hey, stop. This isn't good. This isn't helpful. Godly wisdom in this moment looks like truth-telling. That's what Proverbs 27, 6 says, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Wounds from a friend, someone who believes in God's redemptive power for your life, wounds from a friend can be trusted. What you hear, it might wound it might not feel good. It might be uncomfortable. It might not be something you want to think about or want to acknowledge, but wounds from a friend, godly wisdom from a friend can be trusted. But an enemy multiplies kisses. Solomon is saying that, that if, in fact, if someone just flatters you, if they see this in you, but they don't actually call it out or say something, they just flatter you, they're operating as, as your enemy. And so truth-telling is one of the ways, the most important ways that, that we actually experience and disseminate godly wisdom with one another. And when it comes to truth-telling, you're, you're on both sides of that equation. You're, you're at times going to be the person who is hearing a hard truth, and you're going to be the person who is needing to speak a hard truth. God wants to be, move through us as conduits of his wisdom. We live in a world that desperately, desperately, desperately needs people who are broadcasting godly wisdom. He doesn't need people who can win arguments. He doesn't need people who can shame other people. He, he, he doesn't need people who have really sophisticated opinions that they can prove and, and do all these things. He needs people of godly wisdom who are following his spirit. People who are bringing his truth into this world. There's gold and abundance of costly stones, costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. All of Scripture points to the story and person of Jesus. Jesus personified wisdom. He was living wisdom. That's why we worship him. It's why we sing to him. It's why he is our hope. He is our, our, our savior. He wants to move in and through us to bring wisdom to this world around us. We're going we're gonna to take communion um, here, and the band's going to make their way up. And, 
And as we, we come to this table and we think about uh, the, the, this precious jewel of, of godly wisdom moving in us and moving through us, and as we come to this table where it represents the blood and the body of Jesus broken and given for us, I want to invite you into a conversation with the Holy Spirit. Where is your heart planted? Where are you being influenced by God's wisdom in his character? Where do you have the relationships of truth-telling? People who know you, people who care about you, people who believe in God's redemptive power enough to speak up and tell you truth. Where are you being that relationship? Where are we disseminating God's wisdom to the world around us and to the chaos around us? Father, I, th I thank you for your word. Um, I pray as we come to these tables and as we sing these songs that your spirit uh, would speak to us, um, would put relationships in our minds and our hearts. Um, God, that we would be people who take wisdom from you, godly wisdom, not just conventional wisdom, but your wisdom, and we bring it to this world around us. We thank you, Lord, in your name.